0: Christmas Afternoon by Robert Benchley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Done in the manner, if not the spirit, of Dickens. What an afternoon! Mr. Gummidge said that, in his estimation, there never had been such an afternoon since the world began a sentiment which was heartily endorsed by mrs gummidge and all the little gummages not to mention the relatives who had come over from jersey for the day in the first place there was the ennui and such ennui it was a heavy overpowering ennui such as results from a participation in eight courses of steaming gravied food which the little old spinster gummage from oak hill said she never knew when to stop eating and true enough she didn't a dragging devitalizing ennui which left its victims strewn about the living room in various attitudes of prostration suggestive of those of the petrified occupants in a newly unearthed pompeian dwelling an ennui which carried with it a retinue of yawns snarls and thinly veiled insults and which ended in ruptures in the clan spirit serious enough to last throughout the glad new year then there were the toys three and a quarter dozen toys to be divided among seven children surely enough you or i might say to satisfy the little tots but that would be because we didn't know the tots In came baby Lester Gummidge, Lillian's boy, dragging an electric grain elevator, which happened to be the only toy in the entire collection which appealed to little Norman, five-year-old son of Luther, who lived in Rahway. In came curly-headed Effie, in frantic and throaty disputation with Arthur, Jr., over the possession of an articulated zebra. In came Everett, Bearing a mechanical negro which would no longer dance, owing to a previous forcible feeding by the baby of a marshmallow into its only available aperture. In came Fonlinsbee, teeth buried in the hand of little Ormond, which bore a popular but battered remnant of what had once been the proud false bosom of a hussar's uniform. In they all came, one after another some crying some snapping some pulling some pushing all appealing to their respective parents for aid in their intramural warfare and the cigar smoke mrs gummidge said that she didn't mind the smoke from a good cigarette but would they mind if she opened the windows for just a minute in order to clear the room of the heavy aroma of used cigars mr gummidge stoutly maintained that they were good cigars his brother george gummidge said that he likewise would say that they were at which colloquial sally both the gummidge brothers laughed testily thereby breaking the laughter record for the afternoon aunt libby who lived with george remarked from the dark corner of the room that it seemed just like sunday to her an amendment was offered to this statement by the cousin who was in the insurance business, stating that it was worse than Sunday. Murmurings indicative of as hearty agreement with this sentiment as their lethargy would allow came from the other members of the family circle, causing Mr. Gummidge to suggest a walk in the air to settle their dinner. And then arose such a chorus of protestations as has seldom been heard. It was too cloudy to walk. It was too raw. It looked like snow. It looked like rain luther gummidge said that he must be starting along home soon anyway bringing forth the acid query from mrs gummidge as to whether or not he was bored lillian said that she felt a cold coming on and added that something they had for dinner must have been undercooked and so it went back and forth forth and back up and down and in and out until mr gummidge's suggestion of a walk in the air was reduced to a tattered impossibility and the entire company glowed with ill feeling in the meantime we must not forget the children no one else could aunt libby said that she didn't think there was anything like children to make a christmas to which uncle ray the one with the masonic fob said no thank god although christmas is supposed to be the season of good cheer You, or I, for that matter, couldn't have told, from listening to the little ones, but what it was the children's Armageddon season, when nature had decreed that only the fittest should survive, in order that the race might be carried on by the strongest, the most predatory, and those possessing the best protective colouring. Although there were constant admonitions to Fondlandsby to, "'Let Ormond have that whistle now, it's his,' and to arthur jr not to be selfish but to give the kiddie car to effie she's smaller than you are the net result was always that fonlandsby kept the whistle and arthur jr rode in permanent albeit disputed possession of the kiddie car oh that we mortals should set ourselves up against the inscrutable workings of nature hello a great deal of commotion that was uncle george stumbling over the electric train which had early in the afternoon ceased to function and which had been left directly across the threshold a great deal of crying that was arthur junior bewailing the destruction of his already useless train about which he had forgotten until the present moment a great deal of recrimination that was arthur senior and george fixing it up and finally a great crashing that was baby lester pulling over the tree on top of himself necessitating the bringing to bear of all of uncle ray's knowledge of forestry to extricate him from the wreckage and finally mrs gummidge passed the christmas candy around mr gummidge afterward admitted that this was a tactical error on the part of his spouse i no more believe that mrs gummidge thought they wanted that christmas candy then I believe that she thought they wanted the cold turkey which she later suggested. My opinion is that she wanted to drive them home. At any rate, that is what she succeeded in doing. Such cries as there were of, UGH! DON'T LET ME SEE ANOTHER THING TO EAT! and TAKE IT AWAY! Then came hurried scramblings in the coat closet for overshoes. There were the rasping sounds made by cross-parents when putting wraps on children there were insincere exhortations to come and see us soon and to get together for lunch some time, and finally there were slammings of doors and the silence of utter exhaustion, while Mrs. Gummidge went about picking up stray sheets of wrapping paper. And, as Tiny Tim might say, in speaking of Christmas afternoon as an institution, "'God help us, everyone!' End of Christmas Afternoon Read by Rick Rodstrom